Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, again, good morning. We're glad you're here on this first Sunday in November. We pray God will bless and encourage you in this time. Johnny and Sally were visiting grandparents, and they gave Johnny his very first slingshot. And, and some of our kids may not know what slingshots are anymore. But these things you pull back in a big rubber band or something and release, and it shoots, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, and he went out practicing in the woods, but he couldn't hit, he never hit his target, never, not even close. So as he's walking back to the house, coming through the backyard, he sees grandma's favorite pet duck. And without thinking, he just picks up a rock, puts it in there, releases, and lo and behold, he hit the duck. In fact, he didn't just hit the duck, he killed the duck. And so he panicked. He picked up the duck, he shoved it into a wood pile so that hopefully she wouldn't see. But unfortunately, after doing that, he looked up and saw his sister Sally staring, but saying nothing. Well, lunchtime came and Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today, didn't you, Johnny? And then he, she kind of whispered, remember the duck? And then Johnny said, yeah, sure, I'd be happy to. Later, Grandpa asked if the kids wanted to go fishing. And then Grandma said, well, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper this evening. And again, Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of, Grandma. Johnny wants to help you. And again, she whispered, remember the duck? And Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. Well, after several days of this, of doing chores, both his and Sally's, Johnny couldn't stand anymore. Finally, he confessed to Grandma that he had, in fact, killed the duck. And she said, giving him a big hug, I know, Johnny. I was standing at the window, and, and I saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. I was just wondering how long you'd let Sally make a slave out of you. <laughs> it is amazing how our sins and our, our guilt can enslave us. We feel guilty or shame or we're afraid we're going to get caught. Or we're angry with ourselves. Or we're angry with the other person. Or, or we feel like we deserve this and we're supposed to just suffer it through. Or we just feel miserable. In fact, sometimes miserable to the point that we make ourselves sick. And like Johnny, our own conscience, or maybe even the devil, loves to remind us of the duck. Psalm 38 says, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. But here's some good news. We've already been singing this this morning. God loves you. And though his grace, through His grace, He wants to help release you, release me, release all of us from guilt and shame. A thousand years before Christ, King David at times struggled with his own sin and guilt. And yet he also discovered God's grace, love, and forgiveness. So he wrote the 32nd Psalm, among many that he wrote. We want to, I want to look at that this morning. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 32 
Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It, you you kind of open your Bible in the middle and you just back up a little bit. You'll be into the Psalms, typically. Uh, if you don't have that, you can use the version Bible app. We have notes in the bulletin that you can pull out and use to follow along. So Psalm 32 opens this way. David writes, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord is cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. David experiences this genuine joy when he realizes that God's grace has forgiven his sin and released him from carrying that burden of guilt and shame around with him. But God's forgiveness isn't what Dietrich Bonhoeffer kind of pinned back in the 40s as cheap grace because it costs God his son, Jesus Christ, with his death on the cross. And, and we, we can't just go through the motions and think that God will automatically or magically forgive us because he knows our heart. And, and, and he's, he's looking for true sorrow, real confession, genuine repentance. But as we saw last week, if you were with us, Christ sacrificed, paid the price for our sins, and for all sins, for, for all people, for all time, so that when we genuinely recognize what Christ did and seek Him, we can be released and forgiven. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you, to, in order to better understand how Christ's death made His forgiveness possible, to go back and watch that message on our website or the app or on, on Facebook. In fact, I... I encourage you that because we're talking about life and death here. And you and I, we all need to realize how and why this forgiveness is even possible. When we fail to receive this forgiveness, just like Johnny, one way or another, we suffer for our sins. David very, knew that feeling very well as he explains in Psalm 32. Beginning in verse 3, he said, When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Don't, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer. He finally, finally, I confessed all my sins to you. Stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. There's such wonder and joy and relief in what David wrote there. He knew exactly what it felt like to carry the burden of sin, the guilt, the shame. He was miserable. And, and whether it was because of ignorance or pride or stupidity, he lived in that guilt for a while. Sometimes Again, we don't realize that we forget that God is omniscient. He, he sees and knows everything, including our sins. So we're not hiding them from Him. We're only deceiving ourselves. But notice the beginning of verse 5. It says, finally. Finally, David decided he didn't have to continue living that way. That it made no sense to wallow in his misery. Listen, church, some of you, you need to hear that too. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's no sense, no reason you have to do that. And if you're not, you can become a follower of Jesus so that you also can be freed from this. 
That describes so many of us who are holding on to guilt, holding on to shame. We're hurting, we're struggling, we're suffering all that David felt and maybe more. But if David discovered that is not what God desires for you or me, for any of us. And through Jesus Christ, he gives each one of us the opportunity to put our past behind us. But not just to end the sin, but also to start afresh through his spirit. That it, it, it's, a, it's where he takes care of what's behind us, that, that no longer has to be like a ball and chain that holds us back. But at the same time, he, through the power of his spirit, he comes to live in us, to free us, to move forward. Paul writes, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's a real change in our status before God because of what Christ did for us. And yet this is the very place many of us get stuck. We struggle to believe God really could forgive us. Forgive me. Some of us find ourselves thinking that, well, I'm sure God would forgive so-and-so. Well, they're a good person. I, 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 can, I can understand that. But he'd never forgive me. He'd never forgive what I did. The Apostle Paul understood this personally. You know his story. He chased down, persecuted, and had Christians killed. But listen to what he says. In fact, in another place in Scripture, he says, I was the worst of all sinners. But listen to what he says as he writes to the Romans. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person of someone. Might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Paul experienced this firsthand. He was not talking about this theoretically. He had discovered God is faithful and will do what he says. And so you and I as well can refuse to accept what Christ has done for us, and we'll stay there. We'll be stuck. We'll be miserable. But that is not what God desires for you, for me, for any of us. John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, God can be trusted to do exactly what he says he's going to do, to actually forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to free us, provided we're genuinely sorry. Again, this is not magic. But if we're sorry, and I love the way that David put it in Psalm 103. Beginning in verse 10, he says, The Lord does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him, or in awe of him, or revere him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's a really interesting phrase. Notice that, that David said God does not put our sins as far as the north is from the south. Because, I mean, the North Pole, South Pole, they're a long way apart. 12,430 miles. But you can fly to the North Pole and then start heading south. Instead, he said, as far as the east is from the west, so that if you or I start flying west, 
No matter how fast we travel, no matter how far we travel, no matter how long we travel, we will never be heading east. We will always go on forever. That's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. An infinite distance. It can never be reached. And as David reflected on this, he exclaimed, You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. But he also desires this for us. Verse 6, Therefore let the God, all the godly, pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the flood waters of a judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. And that's what we sang this morning, songs of victory. God does it because he, he loves us and wants the best for us from this moment on. Verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God will always want the best way for you and me. And now, in, in the short haul, sometimes the things of the world around us may say, no, this is a better way. But God's way, even if it is sometimes the longer way, is always the right way, the best way. And he, though he gives you the freedom to ignore what he's done, he calls us, though, to be wise and not senseless. He says in verse 9, do not be senseless like... Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. I tell you, the enemy, the devil, loves to whisper to us that God would never forgive us, never forgive me, never forgive me for what I did, for that one thing. And yet that is a lie straight from hell. Amen. Forgiveness is not about our feelings, okay? It's about a decision, a choice based on God's promises to trust him and accept the gift he has offered us. So let me just repeat this again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't let anyone or any lying whisper tell you that you cannot be forgiven, that that is the one thing you cannot be forgiven for, that you cannot be released from your guilt and shame. Jesus did this for you. He loves you and he wants only the best for you. And so, David concludes his psalm saying, Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey Him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. All of you. And this is why we gather. One of the many reasons. We gather together every week to worship. To remind ourselves, to remember the gift of forgiveness that is real, the salvation that has been won for us, the hope that we have that we can live in Jesus Christ. In Garrison, New York, the Hobing Home, Walter Hobing Home, is dedicated to helping young women close the gate on, on really Hard, hard times to make a new start with their lives. Many of these women have come off the streets as, as prostitutes in New York City, many of them drug addicts. And the first day they arrive at the home, they sit down in front of a computer screen, and on the screen come these words, welcome Ruthie or Brenda or Pat or 
or whatever their personal name may be. Welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. Then the computer tells them to type into the computer all the things that they're sorry for, all, all their sins, all their mistakes, all their failures. And, and it, it takes them hours, typically, if, if they're being honest. And some of them, it takes days. To, to type it all out, to complete the list of all their past wrongdoing, to in effect confess. But then the young women are told to take the Bible provided on the desk and turn to Jeremiah 31, verse 34, and to type that verse now on the computer screen under their list of past sins. That verse says this. Then the computer instructs the young women to press the delete key. And as they do that, the, the list of sins is wiped away, gone for good, erased, blotted out. And then they're told to again type Jeremiah 31, 34. God has forgiven it. Why don't you? And I suspect all of us have struggled at one time or other to truly believe we are forgiven. I mean, it's, it's counter-cultural, to be honest. No one would ever do that. But God has. Through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you can accept this gift today. It is... It's easy for this truth, though, to get lost in the busyness of our weeks. And, and as our culture becomes more and more secular, there are fewer reminders of God's love and forgiveness for you and me outside of the Christian community of faith. Guys, we need the gift of worship, of daily Bible study, of prayer, of time with other believers in small groups, of, of serving as some of the historic practices that God has given us to continue to remind us of this incredible truth because we have, all have a tendency to out of sight, out of mind. Uh, we all have a tendency to get overwhelmed by the other voices that are going on around us. Another gift that God has given us is the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. And it is perhaps the most vivid reminder of all of what Christ did for you and me. Yet, we believe it is even more than just a remembrance. That, that somehow we actually enter into the experience and we join Christ's disciples. Believing Christ is here with us now, offering us this gift through the symbols of bread and juice. It, it is, it's really, in a sense, a foretaste of that day in the future when Christ will return and all of his people, in all times, in all places, will gather around the great heavenly banquet table that the heavenly Father has laid out for His people to celebrate Christ's victory over sin and death, to celebrate our victory over sin and death. Remember what Grandma said? Because to me, when I hear those words, they really sound, they remind me a lot of what God says also. 
giving Johnny a big hug. She said, I know Johnny. I was standing at the window. I saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. I just wondered how long you would allow Sally to make a slave out of you. Good news is you do not have to be a slave to sin and death. No more. Jesus offers you his forgiveness. And, and this morning, we want you to experience that gift through communion. None of us deserve this gift. Let me be really clear about that. None of us have earned it. None of us have done good enough. But if we are truly sorry and repentant and accept God's mercy, he offers his gift freely to all those who are seeking him to release us for the life he created you and me to live. And so we're going to celebrate that in this service right now. To remember, but again, even more, perhaps, to experience what Christ did for you and me. But to do that, we do need to examine ourselves. That's what Scripture says. And so before we move another step, I want to invite us to enter into a time of private confession with God. I'll start us and invite you. And I'll make it obvious. And, and I know I'm not going to leave enough time for me to confess everything. So I'm not going to leave it probably enough time for at least some of you. But know that you can continue to confess. And then we'll move on from there. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are good. And through Jesus Christ's death on the cross, you have paved the way for us to be forgiven. But first, we have to acknowledge our sins. We have to examine ourselves and recognize that we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory. We, we do the very things we hate to do and don't do the things that we know we should. So, Father, I, I pray that right now you will hear each one of us as we confess to you our own personal sins. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.